The title of the message today, as you may have noticed, is Wisdom. And you know, I was uh, looking at my sermon last night, and the Lord reminded me that in Matthew chapter 24, four times Jesus uses the word deceive. And many more times in Matthew 24, does the Lord talk about the dangers of deception? And actually, when the disciples asked him uh, what would be the sign of his coming, the first thing he mentioned was not being deceived. Let no one deceive himself, 1 Corinthians says. Now, that's different than being deceived by someone else. This one, it says, let no one deceive himself. If any among you seems to be wise in this age, let him become a fool that he may become wise. For it is written, he catches the wise in their own craftiness. And again, the Lord knows the thoughts of the wise that they are futile. You know, there's coming a time when those who hold true to God, those that are, have purposed in their hearts that they're going to be faithful to God no matter what, the world is going to call them fools. They're going to be referred to as foolish. Regardless of what everyone else is doing, there will be a people that irrespective of the downside, they're going to remain faithful to God. And you know, as Seventh-day Adventists, we at times are called foolish now for, for keeping the Sabbath. You know, everybody else is keeping Sunday. Those people are strange. They're foolish. Why are they being so particular about the way they dress, about their modesty in appearance and appearance and the things that they eat and so forth? So those loyal to God are being called foolish, and that will increase. They're going to be, it's going to continue. And the scriptures are clear that the wisdom of this world is foolishness with God. Let's pray. Lord, as we uh, come before you and open your word, we ask for your blessing. We ask for the Holy Spirit to be poured out, Lord, to guide us into all truth. And I pray, Lord, that you would speak through me today, that your people would hear from heaven. And we thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Not sure if this mic is working. I can't hear it. It's working? Okay. So the wisdom so-called of this world is foolishness. That's what the Bible tells us. And you know, there are politicians, many unfortunately, that claim to be wise. They've gone to the best schools, but they sit, many of them, on a throne of lies. And it seems that every time they open their mouths, lies pour out. You know, scientists, very wise people, they have great education, many of them. Um, they often present tens and hundreds of millions of years of evolution as though they were there and witnessed it. They present it as an absolute fact, but it's a lie. And to believe it is to live a lie. 
the wisdom of experts um, say that there's nothing wrong with abortion because it's just a fetus. Very highly educated people say that. And they end the lives of 2,400 babies every single day in the United States before those little babies get a chance to look in their mother's face. Worldly wise. So many worldly wise folks, very educated in our country, positions of power and authority, they cannot even define what a woman is. We're in a sad place. And this wisdom, this worldly wisdom, is going to continue. It's going to get worse. And you know, the worldly wise are trying to indoctrinate our children trying to separate them from their parents, especially in the public schools, that what you think is who you are. I don't know if I need to get into more detail. I don't think so. You know, Luke 16, 15, the Bible says, And he said unto them, Ye are they which justify yourselves before men, but God knoweth the heart. For that which is highly esteemed among men is an abomination. In the sight of God. You should do a study sometime on that word abomination in Scripture. You'll see that the world is promoting the exact things that God calls an abomination. And Satan is just putting it out there and people are accepting it. Likewise, also as it was in the days of Lot, they did eat, they drank, they bought, they sold, they planted, they builded. But the same day that Lot went out of Sodom, it rained fire and brimstone from heaven and destroyed them all. And Jesus said, even thus shall it be in the day when the Son of Man is revealed. So we're witnessing in our world, in large part, a return to the abominations previously seen or spoken of by Jesus. And yes, in a small way, they've always existed, but it's in your face now. The cup of iniquity is about to overflow. Have you ever heard um, someone say, oh, you have the right to remain silent? Where's Lisa? Is she here? She just left. Our attorney just left. Um, you know, in 1966, there was a man by the name of Ernesto Miranda, and he was arrested for kidnapping and rape. And police took him to the station. They interrogated him. Um, he confessed to the kidnapping and the rape. And he went to trial. He was convicted, and he was sentenced to 20 years, 20 to 30 years in prison for those crimes. But the case ended up appealed to the Supreme Court. And the Supreme Court said that a person must be warned, warned officially of their right not to incriminate themselves, okay? And, and that's uh, when a person is in custody, that rule applies. You know, casual conversation with a police officer, no. But when someone is in custody, they, the Supreme Court said, you must warn them. And we call those Miranda warnings, right? Because Ernesto's last name is Miranda. So uh, his conviction was overturned. And then throughout the United States, we have what's called the Miranda warnings. You have the right to remain silent. And 
just, you know, as a side, he was retried and found guilty and uh, received the same sentence. But you have the right to remain silent. And the question I have for you is, should you? Should you remain silent? And, you know, as U.S. citizens, I'm thankful for that. And I was a police officer for 22 years. Um, I had to read those rights to people that were in custody. Um, But I would exercise those rights if something happened. And it would be wise to do that. But, you know, the Bible says that we are to be quick to listen. Help me out. Slow to speak and slow to become angry, right? And so the Bible actually backs up that, that issue. But aside from the law of the land, aside from, you know, what's going on in the world, we have the law of God. The things that are taught us by Scripture, by the spirit of prophecy, for our good always. Should we remain silent about those things? Should we refrain from speaking the truth? Should we be closed-lipped about the lies that we're being told? Should you call a man dressed as a woman, she? That's happening. It's happening. It's politically correct now to do that. And when you do that, you are taking part in the lie. You're taking part in the abomination when you do that. Great Controversy, pages 507 and 508, says this, There is little enmity against Satan in his works, because there is so great ignorance concerning his power and malice and the vast extent of his warfare against Christ and his church. Multitudes are deluded here. They do not know that their enemy is a mighty general who controls the minds of evil angels. And that with well-matured plans and skillful movements, he is warring against Christ to prevent the salvation of souls. And, and notice that he's warring against Christ. He hates Christ. And the best way to hurt Jesus is to hurt you, to hurt his children. That's why he wars against us. He's not able to war against Jesus anymore. He wars against us because he knows if he could get us, he has hurt the Lord Jesus. So it goes on to say that as a result of this lack of knowledge regarding Satan, people seem to ignore that Satan even exists. And there was a recent survey where over 70% of the people surveyed said that Satan is not real. There's a lot of reasons for that, I imagine. So, Should we remain silent about society's lies? You know what propaganda is. We'll talk about that uh, in a couple of minutes. But society lies to us. And if we don't look at the scriptures to see where the truth is, we get caught up in those lies. So one of the lies is the LGBTQ whatever uh, movement, the same-sex unions they call marriage, uh, this gender dysphoria uh, and reassignment thing that's happening, uh, accepting the lie that your biology is fluid, your gender is fluid. It's just how you feel, how you identify. That's all a lie. Should we accept that? Should we remain silent about it? And the reason that it has such momentum is because Christians are silent. 
I mean, it's a very small minority of people that are pushing this, but it gets all of the press. It's in your face because we're silent. We're silent. In the revelation of Jesus, uh, chapter 21, verse 27, it says, And there shall in no wise enter into it, the kingdom of heaven, anything that defileth, neither whatsoever worketh an abomination or maketh a lie, but they which are written in the Lamb's book of life. So notice, abomination and maketh a lie. That is exactly what Satan is up to. And God forbid that we would be involved in that um, by just turning and letting it happen. You know, the lie of unity is a top priority in the world. Now, we studied that in, in Sabbath school today. There's different kinds of unity. But the unity that um, the churches want, that the world wants, requires that you set aside the truth in order to do that. You know, our nation has announced a need and is actually celebrating an entire month declaring how proud we are of gays. A month. Veterans get a day. Mothers and fathers get a day. But the homosexual movement gets a month. Month-long celebration of what the Bible calls an abomination. The worldly wise are working feverishly to sexualize our children in the public schools. And you know, if you disagree with any of this stuff, you're a hate monger, you're a bigot, you know, you get canceled. All of those things are happening. And so the devil is trying to manipulate us through propaganda. And, And, you know, propaganda has an agenda. I mean, that's what it's all about. Um. There's an agenda, and then we're going to come in, and we're going to lie to the people, and we're going to make it sound good. And it's information of a misleading nature used to promote a particular cause or view. Be very careful what you're watching, what you're listening to, because it's designed to, to, to influence us into a certain area and, and to persuade the populace into their agenda. So you cannot be united or have unity unless someone gives up their belief or changes their belief. So I was a a Catholic. My wife was a Catholic. In order for us to be unified with the remnant church, we had to learn the truths of Scripture and give up our former beliefs. And we did that. But what the world is promoting, what what the Church of Rome and Protestant America is promoting, is a unity where we just come together and we hold hands and sing kumbaya, and you must give up the truths of Scripture to do that. You can't have unity unless somebody gives up their belief. And you know, there's no peace for us or for anyone in self-deception. In living a lie. There's no peace there. No peace when you keep silent about wrongs committed. How many times have you walked away from a situation and said, you know, I should have said something. I should have said something. 
Matthew 10.34, Jesus said this, Think not that I am come to send peace on earth. I came not to send peace, but a sword. You know, if you ask the average Christian, was Jesus a unifier or a divider? Most people would say he was a unifier. No, absolutely not. Jesus constantly drew a line in the sand. And he says, this is the way. Walk ye in it. He didn't come to send peace on the earth. And you know, the truth causes division. Naturally, that's what it does. And this division has to happen completely before probation closes. And the Lord's going to allow the Sunday movement to cause that polarization. Because it becomes very simple. And everyone makes a choice. And, then, and it's done. It's very simple. So the things that are being promoted, they may be common. And I want you to notice this. They may be common, but they are not normal. So think of the behaviors. I don't need to repeat them. They're common and becoming more common, but they are not normal. And I also say they're becoming common, but they are not moral. And just because something is is rampant does not mean that it's not an abomination. You know, the fact that everybody's doing it doesn't make it right. So don't fall into the trap of silence and acceptance in the name of unity. Don't betray your conscience. I've told you that before in any area. And, you know, there's going to be a a real push to uh, conform to what the world, the crowd is doing, the majority of people. Why do you have to be a troublemaker? And, you know, actually, if if, if you know what Scripture says about prophecy and what lies ahead, You'll, you'll see that we're not the troublemakers. We're just following Jesus wherever he leads. And it just happens to go against the overwhelming majority of people. So then they point a finger and say, you're the troublemaker. And when that pressure comes, it's going to be pressure. Well, we have to have the strength of Christ in order to make it through. So what is our duty? What's our responsibility as representatives of Jesus? Well, Jesus lovingly pointed out sin, didn't he? Sometimes he didn't say anything. He just wrote it in the sand. We need to speak the truth with compassion. Because we, we should know that the recipient might be open to receiving those tidbits of truth. And it might make a change. Speaking the truth with compassion, regardless of the cost to self. So, Sister Tammy mentioned, you know, praying with people at at work. She said, I might lose my job, but the Lord will take care of me. You know, and I'm summarizing what she said. That's the attitude. Hananiah, Mishael, Azariah. Our God will save us, but if not, we will not worship the way you've called us to worship. Daniel, you know, facing the decree of the lions. He didn't change his Christianity at all. Getting along is not the goal. <clears throat> Unity is not the goal. But as uh, Pastor Gill mentioned in Sabbath school, you know, we personally work to receive the Holy Spirit. 
We search heart, our own hearts. And there will be a unity in the remnant church. There will be a group of people that will be sold out for Jesus. That is going to happen. There will be a latter reign of the Holy Spirit. But I can't change you. And you can't change me. It's a personal thing between me and God. And obviously we can help each other. We can come alongside and disciple and we should do that. Amos 3.3, 3, here's the question. Can two walk together except they be agreed? The answer is no. Someone has to give up something to walk together. Amos chapter 8, the Bible says, Behold, the days cometh, saith the Lord God, that I will send a famine in the land, not a famine of bread or a thirst for water, but of hearing the words of the Lord. And they shall wander from sea to sea and from north to the east and shall run to and fro to seek the word of the Lord and shall not find it. There's coming a time when it will be too late to get serious about studying God's word. And you know, God's word is designed to protect us amongst many other things. To protect us against self-deception. And it's where we are to obtain true wisdom. We're going to read some verses here in a minute. Not worldly wisdom, which we're being bombarded with all of the time. You know, if you've got a lot of letters after your name, that brings respect, and, and, and oftentimes it should. But those, some of those folks have a worldly uh, wisdom that they're sharing. We have to be careful. We want God's wisdom, and it's found in His Word. Proverbs 2, I'm going to read uh, the first eight verses. So if you want to turn there, I invite you to do that. Proverbs 2, beginning in verse 1. My son, if thou wilt receive my words and hide my commandments with thee, so that thou incline thy ear unto wisdom and apply thine heart unto understanding, yea, If thou criest after knowledge and lifteth up thy voice for understanding, if thou seekest her as silver and searchest for her as for hid treasures, then shall thou understand the fear of the Lord and find the knowledge of God. And the Lord, for the Lord giveth him, giveth wisdom, out of his mouth cometh knowledge and understanding. He layeth up sound wisdom for the righteous, he is a buckler to them that walk uprightly. He keeps the paths of judgment and preserveth the way of his saints. We find wisdom in God's word. And actually, I'm going to keep reading, I think. Let's um, start there in verse 10. When wisdom entereth into thine heart, and knowledge is pleasant unto thy soul, discretion shall preserve thee. Understanding shall keep thee. These are promises. To deliver thee from the way of the evil man. From the man that speaketh froward things. Who leave the paths of uprightness to walk in the ways of darkness. Who rejoice to do evil and delight in the forwardness of the wicked. Whose ways are crooked and they froward in their paths. So it is designed to deliver us from evil. Deliver us from deception. Make us wise. So we find that direction, those warnings in God's word. He wants to deliver us. 
Ellen White said God has provided in his word the means for mental and spiritual development. The Bible contains all the principles that men need to understand in order to be fitted either for this life or for the life to come. And these principles may be understood by all. It's not a book that can't be understood. Prayerfully, God promises wisdom to those who ask in faith. And so it can be understood. And, you know, she also says that um, the most valuable teachings of Scripture are not found by a cursory, superficial uh, study. A disconnected study, occasional study, she says. She says, its great system of truth is not so presented as to be discerned by the hasty or careless reader. Many of its treasures lie far beneath the surface and can be obtained only by diligent research and continuous effort. We need to dig deep because there's coming a time when there'll be a famine for God's word. And maybe they'll take your phones away and your tablets and your, and your actual Bibles. And then only what's here will be there. So we're, we know that those who endeavor to obey all the commandments of God will be opposed. We're going to be opposed and derided. And we're only going to be able to endure that, to stand, if we understand what God has revealed to us in his word and in the spirit of prophecy. And I want to read a quote from uh, Joe Cruz as we end. He said, our only safety is to recognize the clever camouflages of the enemy. A thousand disguised traps have been planted all around us. It's like a minefield. It's what I picture when I read this. Almost imperceptibly, our thinking has been affected by what we see and hear. And you know, that's so true. You know, the heart can be hardened by exposure to evil. What once made us cringe doesn't make us cringe anymore. We have to be careful of that. He goes on, he says, spiritual convictions have softened and disappeared altogether. The fine sensitivity to sin has been blunted by incessant exposure to the apparent innocent influences of abated society. In other words, worldly influences have desensitized us to the conviction of the Holy Spirit and we don't recognize the sinfulness of sin. And that should concern us because it affects me and all of us. I can remember when I was first a police officer and I would go to a crime scene and I would look at something. I was like, whoa, whoa. Two or three more of those. I could eat a sandwich while I was doing an investigation. I'm serious. It's exposure that desensitizes. And so what we need to do for our kids is limit, extremely limit their exposure to worldly influences. How do you do that? There'll be some screaming and crying when you take those devices away. But it may, it may be the thing that saves them. And we need to do the same. Limit, very much limit our exposure to the world. And then feed our minds with this so that we don't become desensitized, become worldly. Seek the Lord while he may be found. Call upon him while he is near. Isaiah 55, 6. So if that's your desire, I want to be ready. I, I, I want to grow, grow closer to the Lord. 
I, I don't want to become desensitized by the worldly influence that we are bombarded with. That's your desire. I invite you to kneel if you're able, and we'll pray together. <clears throat> Father God, we, um, we recognize that there is a real devil who hates you and wants to destroy your children. That would be us. And we don't want to give him the pleasure of that. Lord, we want to see you face to face. We know that sin has separated us from you. And, and our heart's desire is to be at one with you in the heavenly kingdom. But we have a real adversary. We don't want to give him any credit, but he's pretty effective. And the worldly influences that surround us uh, are overwhelming, especially for the young people. So, Lord, we need your power. We need your strength. We need the Holy Spirit. We thank you for your word. Uh, so available, the Bible, in this country. Lord, help us to dig deep, to carve out time uh, to dig deep in your word and the spirit of prophecy, which is such a blessing. And Lord, uh, we know that if we feed our minds with that, and not the worldly things, that your promises will become real to us. And so Lord, I ask you to bless each person here, each family represented to that end. You know the decisions each one is making. You know their heart's desire. And bless each one, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen.